So welcome to the ESPN Player College Football Podcast. I don't even know what week it is, but we are sat here in Chicago International Airport. So first of all, apologies because in the background you shall almost certainly hear some announcements about flights heading out of uh, the Midwest to all points. There you go. Exactly. All points around the world. Matt Sherry, Gridiron Editor, and myself, Simon Clancy, are sat here. Going to look back at uh, a weekend in college football. We are about to leave America. Having been to a number of games ourselves, including one that we'll talk about in a little while. Um, but let's have a quick rundown. Uh, it's Monday, sort of mid-afternoon, so we're 24 hours away from the the college uh, rankings being released. Uh, but we suspect no change really at the top, Matt, because you know nothing really. You know all the teams that that needed to keep progressing to to make the playoff did so. Uh, notably, Oklahoma, who uh, just about got past Oklahoma State. And Clemson, who were in a difficult game against Boston College, but absolutely dominated, dominated them really, didn't they? Uh, in Chestnut Hill, a game that we thought would probably be a little bit closer. Clemson's defense just totally shut down uh, BC, held them to nine yards rushing. AJ Dillon was just completely uh, an anonymous factor, really. A, a, and a great performance from, from Trevor Lawrence. Let's start at the top with Alabama, who, who beat... Uh, Mississippi State somewhat controversially in a way and that Mississippi State defense held them without a point in the second half um, and, and really if you won the second half but the, you know there was a controversial call on the first drive where it looked as though Damian Harris had fumbled it was overturned um, and it was clear that Harris had fumbled his knee wasn't down Mississippi State would have got the ball back what actually happened was that Alabama went on and scored opened it up 7-0 went on to win the game but you know the injury to Tua Tungavalo, the knee injury, looks like it could be something that might need watching. I mean, I doubt he'll start this week against the Citadel. I suspect strongly that he'll be resting and that Jalen Hurts will start ahead of the, the, the game against Georgia. Um, but what do you think about that? What do you think about Tua? What do you think about Jalen Hurts? And what do you think if Tua goes down? Do you think, you know, for any long period of time, do you think that Alabama will be the same team with Jalen Hurts? Or do you think Nick Saban and the, and the offensive team will have to, have to reassess how they do things? Because it's a different offense with Jalen Hurts, isn't it? Yeah, totally different. I mean, I think there will be a different team. There's no doubt that it's a massive drop-off to Hertz. Um, but what helps Alabama now? I mean, we obviously haven't done a show last week. And, and in the two weeks we've been out here, they've, they've given them no points against LSU and Mississippi State. And I mean, we said earlier in the year that we thought that the reason Bama may lose late in the season or in the or in the playoff was, was that their defence didn't look up to the usual level. Well, as often happens with Alabama, that pipeline of outrageous talent is now shown is now revealing a, a couple more incredible players and I mean the defence for me could carry them a long way on its own but I, I still think this team needs to, uh, to to get where we think they are which is easily the best team in the country so it does bear watching but I mean the defence means they always have a chance too as well. And a word on Quinn and Williams, who's now become the, the preeminent defensive player in college football. He's just having an extraordinary season, isn't he? And should end up in New York for, as part of the five-man Heisman, uh, Heisman panel in terms of the best player in the country. Because he's, he's clearly the best defensive player in college football currently. Absolutely. And, the, and we, we chatted at length about him last week, so in the, the ridiculous part is that he was barely mentioned before the season. And that just shows the depth of talent that Alabama have because... You know, we mentioned a lot of guys on that team, like Christian Miller, guys who we interviewed like him and, and other players, and, and they were the people we were focusing on. And then a guy like him, just you just gradually see over the year, the numbers get better, the performances get better. And he was incredible against LSU. I mean, that was, that was Bama's one big regular season test at Death Valley on the road, and he was awesome. I mean, he, he was a one-man wrecking crew in that game, and 
Listen, that's what Alabama do. That's why they're so difficult to beat because really it's impossible to judge them going into a season because there's such a depth of talent. I mean, right now there'll be players who are riding the bench for Alabama who next year could be immediate superstars and that's what they've built there. Statement win for Trevor Lawrence in Chestnut Hill. We talked about it, but it was just a mature performance. Pat Ford in Yahoo.com wrote a column uh, last night that said that he was talking to AFC scouts who said that Lawrence would be the first pick in the draft if he, if he was eligible to come out, which is some statement because, you know, he, he's still raw, but he really showed... A, unerring accuracy, a couple of back shoulder throws that we love down the left side on the second half, a bullet across the middle that was uh, rifled in between three defenders, and then a couple of beautiful touch passes, including the first touchdown, which was just, you know, almost like a Tebow-esque in the way that Tim Tebow used to, to, to throw those little jump passes, except that this was a, a proper pass, just dropped in over the head of the linebacker. He is developing into something very special, isn't he? I think that whole Clemson team is, it feels like him, uh, Travis Etienne and, and Dee Higgins now, it's like a a triumvirate of, of, of stars that are, that are really going to drive this team forward for, for years to come. But, but this year, I mean, I, I think the big thing actually with Clemson, though, is you mentioned their defence. Their defence didn't look great early on in the season. And right now, along with, along with Michigan, and you, and you have to say Alabama as well, based on what they've done the last two weeks, you know, those are the three best defences in college football at the moment. And, and frankly, I think I'll put Clemson... You know, the Clemson and Michigan to me are 1A, 1B, and I don't know which order I'd put them in in terms of defence. I mean, that defensive line is something we highlighted before the season with Dexter Lawrence and all those guys. And, and it felt like in the, in the early weeks of the season, they maybe didn't live up to the billing, but my oh my, are they playing well now? And, and, and you've mentioned preeminent defensive players in football. Lawrence is, is one of those guys as well. Notre Dame, fairly convincing. Uh, without Ian Book, Brandon Wimbush stepped in and did a really, really nice job. Uh, Dexter Williams, uh, you know, I mean, he threw three touchdowns, but handing off to Dexter Williams, who had 202 yards rushing against, you know, we already know a, a, a Florida State varsity team, essentially. But important performance for Notre Dame. But coming up now is a huge game against Syracuse. Yeah, this is a game we've had highlighted for a while as one that we thought, you know, if not Redame were going to slip up, I think this is the week. And the fact that Ian Book isn't playing makes me think even more so that that's the case. I mean, you know, Syracuse are a really good football team. This is the same Syracuse team who, you know, I know Trevor Lawrence got injured in the game, but even had he not, they were causing Clemson all sorts of problems on the road. They were ahead for a lot of that game. And as much as Clemson pulled that one out out of the bag, Syracuse more than held their own in that. And that's going to be such a great atmosphere. It's at Yankee Stadium, you know, there's going to be a great atmosphere there. And, and I don't want to talk too much about that game because it's definitely one of the, the main ones we'll preview in the pod later on in the week. But I, I just feel like, it's, uh, we've discussed it, that I'm not sure you or I are massively convinced by Notre Dame. And I, I'm not sure why, really, because they've answered every question, but the, the schedule they've had to face. I mean, Michigan was a great win, but they got them at such a good time. And, and, and I think I personally would like to see Notre Dame lose. I, I, I think that Oklahoma and or Washington State would make a more interesting opponent for any team in the playoff. But, you know, if they get the job done this way, you've got to take your hat off them to me. This is, this is one of the more difficult games on the slate for any of these big boy teams, and, and it should be fascinating. But they got the job done against Florida State, a terrible Florida State team. I mean, we've said it all, yeah, but... You know, just when you think that they're getting slightly better, they deliver a performance like that where they're just sure they're not even close to playing at the level that they should for the quality of the recruits and the quality of the talent in the programme. And, um, yeah, I think, I think what, what Wimbush starting shows up for Notre Dame is the quality of their wide receivers. I mean, 
it feels like when he's in the game, he just throws it up there and, and guys just go up and make plays. An incredible catch in the game this week again. So, so I, I think Syracuse might get the upset this week, but we'll chat more about it later on in the week. Michigan, very professional performance against Rutgers. He's past them. Georgia, I want to talk a little bit about Georgia. Uh, a really, really strong performance against Auburn essentially on the legs of DeAndre Swift who bided this time behind Sony Michelle and behind Nick Chubb and we've both seen what they've done in the NFL in terms of uh, respectively at the, at the Browns and the Patriots and Chubb had a big weekend this weekend for Cleveland in the win over Atlanta but um, uh, just a tremendous performance by DeAndre Swift who looks like he potentially could be significantly better than both of those two yeah I mean he's incredible isn't he I mean and Georgia like Alabama now I mean that we were looking at some of the recruiting rankings for the coming season and Georgia, I think, have four or five five-star guys committed for next year, which is a lot more than any other team in, in college football. So this is what you're going to see now with Georgia, I think, which is a, a year-in, year-out powerhouse. They, they're recruiting well. They've answered, every, they've answered every question since the LSU game. They've done everything right. And, and really, the one... People think that the likes of Michigan control their own destiny, but the one worry for a, for a, for a Michigan team is if Georgia can can get to the SHE's championship game, which they've done, they will get there. And but if they can actually win that game, it it becomes difficult for the playoff committee to leave them them out. It's they would definitely get in, and then they can't leave Alabama out. So you may still see two SEC teams in there. So. Yeah, Georgia are a really good team and, and they're one of the few teams who, you know, you put them across the field from Alabama and in terms of quality of player and athlete, they, they will feel like and probably can compete with them and I think that's the difference with Georgia. Oklahoma gave up great swathes of, uh, of offense to Oklahoma State yet again. They're consistently giving up huge chunks of yardage on defense. The change of defensive coordinator doesn't really seem to have helped an awful lot. Uh, I mean, we, we had this discussion in the car the other day about whether or not, because it was a rivalry game and, uh, and they're, you know, much like a Liverpool against Everton or any of those rivalry games, the, the form book, and I know it's a cliche, but the form book does tend to go out the window because there's so much on it. There's so much, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, all those games that are very important between cross-state uh, rivals there's just a, a slight change in atmosphere but it, it's not a continual good look for, for Oklahoma to be hanging on or you know conceding huge yards defensively and then having you know essentially Kyle Murray to bail them out and you know hats off to Mike Gundy he went for two to try and win it which I think was the right decision Dana Holgerson we saw did that the previous week with West Virginia against Texas and I, I absolutely applaud him for doing it I think it was the wrong call I also think it was a very, very bad throw because actually on, in hindsight the guy was open in the corner of the end zone and a better throw would have probably won the game but there are doubts significant doubts about this Oklahoma team aren't there and, and it's the same doubts that cost them the national championship last year yeah, and I mean, it's a difficult one because you, you've got to think, you know, that Georgia game last year, it was overtime. It wasn't like they went and got totally blown out by a, a more well-rounded team in the playoff last year. So I think that helps their cause. What doesn't help it is it's week in, week out. I mean, I think we'd, the last pod we did, I said that they'd had three games in a row holding opponents under 300 yards. Maybe the defence was turned around, but the last two weeks we've seen that it, it's not even close to turning around. And I mean, could you really see that Oklahoma team going up against a well-rounded Alabama, Clemson, Michigan team and, and winning? I mean, I just don't see Absolutely it. not. So, so that's the worry. I mean, I think Washington State look more well-rounded than Oklahoma. And, and frankly, when you think about Washington State... Given the way that they lost, the committee have to take that into account as well. I mean, that Texas, that Texas Oklahoma game, Texas pretty much dominated the whole game. It was more Texas taking their foot off the gas and and, and probably not used to being in that spot in a big game for several years. That got Oklahoma 
to get that game close. But Washington State were absolutely robbed in their one loss. I mean, they're the team I'd, I think I would like to see get a chance in it. Yeah, me too. In part because we've got a, you know a, 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 a love in with with Mike Leach, the the wonderful head coach at Washington State, but also the, the you know the Gardner Minshew story. I mean, is a phenomenal one, especially considering what happened, the the tragic you know the tragic story of. Uh, of the guy who essentially was going to become their quarterback and then committed suicide, um, which is a, just a dreadful, dreadful story and a dreadful tale. Um, and they're obviously playing for him this year. And Minshew has, uh, you know, has put himself right in the Heisman. I mean, he's not going to win the Heisman because that's already been won. But he is right in the Heisman Trophy mix, isn't he? In terms of you know, fifth-year senior, here he is, already graduated, uh, and he's having the time of his life playing for for Mike Leach. Yeah, and you think that I mean, Nick Saban tried to get Gardner Minshew to Alabama, not for him to play, but for him to to be a graduate coach so that's the kind of you know to go from that to in the Heisman conversation as a player is it's an astonishing story and it's why we love college football because you know we mentioned Alabama a guy who wasn't on our radar now being in the Heisman mix as a defensive tackle and now you've got Gardner Minshew another guy in that mix who you know nobody had really heard of him before the year started and he's he's in his final year I mean we said the other day we wish he wasn't because we would love to see him have a little run with Mike Leach in Florida State and uh, Washington State, sorry, and see what that would look like. But yeah, I mean, after the Tyler Helinski situation and and everything else at Washington State and 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 having lost a senior quarterback to the NFL in Luke Fark, I mean, they, they're they're a great story, Washington State, and and I would love to, I'd, I would just love to see Mike Leach, Washington State, in the playoff, and and that's why I mean, apologies to any Notre Dame fans, but that's why I'd like to see. Than those. I just think it's a much better story, and I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not that convinced by Washington State in a game against the playoff team. But I'm not Notre Dame, and I'd rather see the the story. It'd be more fun as well, wouldn't it? Washington yeah. State would be more fun. Just rounding out the this part, portion of the podcast, and uh, as Matt said, we'll have a longer one for you later in the week because we are in the airport and about to catch our flights home. But we were at the Michigan State Ohio State game on Saturday at, at East Lansing. A great experience, a great stadium, a you know, tight stadium, really good atmosphere. Everything about the, the the college college kind of atmosphere that you'd love if you ever get the chance to go to East Lansing. A really good college town. We talked about Heisman Trophy there for Gardner Minshew. I mean, the Ray Guy Award for best punter, you know, you could, Dane Christmas, the Ohio State punter, could pretty much take that home, you know, on, on Saturday evening after the performance he had. And what started, hilariously started with a, an incredible shank, yeah. a four-yard punt that he put actually into the into the second row of the stand beneath us where we were sat in the press box. And then after that, just cons- considering the way it started, then just had maybe six or seven punts downed inside the 10, some inside the five, a couple down at the one-yard line, just consistently backed Michigan State up against the wall. They could never, you know, with Brian Lewerke with the injured shoulder, uh, uh, Lombardi couldn't really get things going as the backup. It looks like he's got, you know, a lot of talent and could be a good quarterback in the future. But really, it was a, a, a struggle for Michigan State, mainly because Dane Christmas was able to, to just to pin them deep down, um, drive after drive after drive. It was a phenomenal, it was a dull old game. But it was a phenomenal punting performance, wasn't it? It was a proper Big Ten game, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's the best punting performance I've seen since... Do you remember when Alabama played LSU a few years ago and it was 9-6? And it was the year that Bama subsequently beat them in the national championship game. Brad Wing, who has subsequently been an NFL punter, had an unbelievable game in that game. And, it, you know, it wasn't a great game, but I, I said to you in the press box, I, I kind of loved the fact that we watched a, 
you know, a Big Ten game that was, I think it was nil-nil late, and certainly decent way into the second quarter. It was, and it felt like a proper, proper Big Ten game. That really, I mean, Michigan State weren't good in the game, but they shot themselves in the foot an awful lot. Ohio State didn't look good again. Dwayne Haskins didn't look good at all, and and continues to struggle in the face of of teams who can bring any any modicum of pressure. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we learned a whole lot about either of those teams and in the same way that I guess we didn't learn anything new about either Michigan or Penn State the week before. Two quick stories just before we finish up. Uh, the sacking of Bobby Petrino, finally, uh, which was announced during the, during the Bobby Petrino show, which was going out on TV. The, the, the breaking news strap at the bottom had Petrino being sacked as his coach's show was going out, which I thought was quite apt. Um, I mean, Louisville just horrendous, and it kind of reminds you just how good Lamar Jackson was, given the the way that 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 that, uh, that, that school has fallen off a off a cliff. And and then Virginia Tech, Bud Foster, one of the the best collegiate defensive coordinators of the past, really the past sort of this generation, really. And that defense gave up 492 yards rushing against Pittsburgh, a good Pittsburgh side, but nevertheless, I mean, that's that's got to be the end of the, the, the line, I think, for Bud Foster as well. And actually, a bonus third, Northwestern. We didn't touch upon Northwestern, but a great win uh, uh, for the Wildcats, uh, essentially to secure uh, a place in the in the, uh, in the the Big Ten Championship game, almost certainly against Michigan. Uh, that, you know, hats off to that, you know, to Pat Fitzgerald and that, that uh, the administration there, because they've done a wonderful job, haven't they? I mean, Clayton Thorson at quarterback hit, one of the best catches of the season down the sideline to the tight end whose name completely escapes me but it was just an incredible sort of one-handed scoop catch tucked it back under his body secured the ball um, for the Wildcats to win and uh, uh, and win the uh, win the division just uh, just touch briefly on those three stories before we uh, before we head out yeah I mean Northwestern Pat, Pat Fitzgerald is one of the guys on our all underrated college football coach list I mean I often think if if Jim Harbaugh ever left Michigan, he'd probably be the guy I'd go for. They're always well coached, particularly in division games. We've seen that this year. I mean, they've had a lot of non-conference losses, including to Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago in what was a close game again. But in the division, they've, they've been great. I mean, and, and they gave Michigan all the good handle. And it was at home, so that could be maybe a more interesting Big Ten championship game than people think. If it happens, because I'm still not convinced Michigan will go into Ohio State and win. But... Um, there's that, and I mean, Bobby Petrino. I mean, there's no, there's not many tears shed around in the world of football. I mean, you know, this is a guy who, who basically does it the wrong way all the time, and has got a track record of being a pretty bad guy. So I'm not sure there's any, any tears shed for, for Bobby Petrino. That's it. That's it for this week. Well, this episode. Anyway, we'll be back later in the week when we're back in the UK. There won't be uh, the background noise of the planes taking off oh, and the, the tiredness in our voice. Uh, the tiredness in our voices, or the loudspeaker with the the directions from the uh, from the announcer as to, to opening gates and closing gates and people late and those sorts of things. Thanks for listening. Don't forget ESPN Player for all your college football, 30 for 30s, everything else that you could possibly imagine. We should be back later in the week uh, with a sort of a bonus second edition. Thanks a lot. Fill the trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March.